Welcome back to episode 15 of the Web3 show and a special welcome to all of our new Android users on Colin. We we were scratching our heads last week thinking why why are our phones buzzing so much with all these new subscribers and then went on to Twitter and saw Colin had released their Android app finally. So welcome to you all. It's been uh, great to have you uh, come join the Web3 journey um, with the Web3 show and we hope we can be your one-stop shop for everything crypto. Uh, I'm Luca, the front man of the show, and every week I'm always proud to bring you the uh, the wannabe wizards. Galactic Q, as always, he's just been he's just been off the, on the phone with uh, Jeff Bezos or Brian Armstrong of Coinbase or Vladimir Putin. We're not too sure, but he's he's he went he was on a very important phone call. He tells us afterwards and gathering some red pulls for for the sh- for the show tonight. And as always, your guy in TradFi making trades, ready to blow some crypto Twitter influences and finance profits uh, over. Um, boys, I, I introduced you as a, as one of you wizards of Web3, but we, we all know that that could be changing soon. Hey? We, we're in a bit of a dilemma. and uh, we, we, we might soon be sailing the Web3 seeds. <laughs> Being, being, becoming DeFi pirates on the on the Solana in the Solana ecosystem. We have a bit of a dilemma though, and I'm wondering, like, you know, if anyone wants to to reach out to us about uh, <laughs> what they would prefer to see. I guess um, I had actually had a thought today. I don't know what you guys think, but don't you think Wizards is more like accommodating, or like it's more welcoming? You know, pirates. If you think of a pirate, they you know, sail the seas and like wreak havoc on other ships and maraud people. Whereas like wizards are smart, intelligent old people that people come looking for, um, for wisdom and stuff. So, I mean, listen, maybe... we're about to throw a bomb into the influencer circle. So maybe pirates <laughs> is suitable. <for> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true though. That is, that is very, that is very true. Um, well, we have got a nail bite of an episode, uh, for you all. Q's about a delivers market update. We're going to get into a bit of a, a small segment of, of around the block news, um, and then we'll dive into everything, uh, the mess that is Canada and everything going on there. Q, do you want to take us away with the market update? Um, lots of things, lots of things to cover. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's dive in. So, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of fun at the moment. And I'm just going to say outright and be blunt, we are in a bear market. And I've said it for the past two weeks now, that adjust your portfolios accordingly. Um, right now, what we're seeing is strong reactions in the market to, or strong overreactions in the market to political tensions, Fed tensions, uh, interest rate hikes, the inflation rate rise. Um, you know, we've got the political tensions with the Ukraine and Russia. Um, you know, we've got the political tensions in Canada. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of FUD circulating the market and another massive stream of FUD that's going around is the possible economic recession that we could be going into with our traditional markets testing really, really, really critical and crucial uh, support levels. If we lose these, we're bound to see a sell-off. Um, if, you know, war does break out, we could see a black swan event. Um, you know, there's a lot of negativity floating around the space and that's largely been attributed to the market price action we've seen on Bitcoin over the past couple of days, putting in a perfect double top, double top with a double rejection at the 45K level. 
and ultimately coming down now where we currently rest on trend support. If we lose this level, I do see more downside. Um, basically, the, the way forward for crypto here, I mean, we're going to dive into it pretty deeply in this episode about, you know, how you should be approaching the market with a more risk adverse approach. But ultimately, right now, I do think we're going to get more downside. I'm short and medium term bearish, long term bullish always. And the, the, the two scenarios I see that have probability playing out here. Scenario one, we head back down to those low 30k zones to put in a double bottom pattern, which is usually a trend reversal. And from there, we push back up to the mid 50s to put in a lower high and continue our consolidation sideways over the next couple months. Or option two, which has less probability, but is still likely, we see a black swan shakeout event, have some cascading liquidation and capitulation take place. Um, this could be largely attributed to a lot of the FUD we've seen on Twitter and social media today and yesterday with a lot of major influencers now flipping from their 100x altcoins two days ago to get out and here's your exit strategy. Um, so we could see a cascading liquidation event down to the low 20s. For Bitcoin, we will likely consolidate for a couple months. So things in the market are looking bearish. We are in a bear market. We are below our significant weekly moving averages. We have lost support. We've closed six or seven weekly candles. We've confirmed a rejection of our bull market support which is the 21-week EMA and 20-week SMA, which are crucial levels when it comes to an uptrend in a market. So things are looking pretty grim. But that being said, bear market brings a lot of opportunity. Most millionaires this run were made because they invested over 2017, 2018. So yeah, short-term medium-term bearish, long-term bullish. John T, maybe just a question for you. I mean, if, if, if you've kind of been riding the wave down i mean is is there really any upside to selling at this point right like i mean no well yeah i think i think if you haven't sold yet i would consider rebalancing to an extent if you're sitting in low cap projects that don't have products launched or don't or have anonymous teams or are still just white papers i would consider rebalancing those into the bigger l1 protocols eth or bitcoin if you're still sitting on L1 protocols, for example, if you're still sitting on Terra Luna and you didn't exit at the clear exit signal at $90, you know, the risk to reward of selling it now doesn't make sense. You know, the, the, the downside from here is maybe another 15 to 20% bleed, which will send it down to $30, maybe $26, sorry, 50% bleed, where the upside potential here is far greater than that. So the risk to reward of closing fundamentally blue chip projects doesn't make sense right now. But if you're in any medium to low cap coins that do not have fundamental or do not have a fundamental base or a product launch, I would rebalance out of those. If you're sitting in stable coins right now, I wouldn't be looking to enter the market unless you're dollar cost averaging into Ethereum and Bitcoin for the long run. So basically in line with our thesis of a rotation uh, from growth to value, basically in the crypto space, exactly. or in the markets broadly. Exactly. Which we will be diving into momentarily. Um, Q, thanks so much for the market update as always, but uh, we're going to proliferate that after this short, um, short around the block news segment of stuff that's happening in the crypto space. Then we'll jump back to 
um, your guy and TradFi's thesis of, of value in crypto. Um, so, boys, I think I'm going to require something similar of you that we did last week with the metaverse, but obviously have Luca cringing less because we won't be talking about NFTs as much. Um, although Thank at least, you. <laughs> although at, at least the maybe for for now, just the platform that NFTs are, um, well, the biggest platform that NFTs are traded and and sold and listed on. I'm sure you all saw that 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 news break of uh, of OpenSea um, being hacked this week, or at least users being hacked. Um, they they were hacked through a phishing attack, which is a malicious email or, for, or like an ingenuine email that gets sent to users um, that looks genuine and forces the users to then um, or coaxes the users to then click on a link, which is malicious. Basically, what happened here it was actually quite funny the 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 the, the time that this happened because OpenSea had just replaced that old um uh, they had just replaced a, a smart contract that had been hacked i think we chatted about it a couple of weeks ago on friday and this um w which basically asked users to migrate their nfts to this new smart co contract to mitigate that um that risk where um remember guys that uh that's that that flaw in the in the code where basically people were just able to mint board apes and sell them um you know, at, at listing prices. So you could mint a board A for 0 0.03 ETH and sell it for at market price, which is whatever it is, um, you know, 10, 20 X is whatever it is now. Basically, this hacker placed their smart contract um, on OpenSea at the same time, this new smart contract that OpenSea actually launched. So it was a perfect disguise for this hack. And basically about 17 users um, basically clicked on this link, forced the migration of their NFTs to the smart contract of the of the malicious attacker. And there were a couple of Bored Apes lost a few blue chip NFTs. And news that just broke today was was that someone, one of those users who lost a Bored Ape is taking in, um, OpenSea to court. So my question to you is, is OpenSea going to make it? Are they in some serious trouble here? What's your guys' uh, perspective on this? Well, I think if you're falling for phishing attacks, you deserve to be hacked. I mean, it's like the oldest <laughs> form of scam. So sorry to say it bluntly, but like I've I've probably received five emails a day from MetaMask asking me to verify my wallet before it gets suspended. We're in a decentralized space. No one's going to email you a link to carry out a thing like that. And if they do, you vet it with community discords and community Twitter and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, I'm sorry, but that is when you're dealing with, you know, NFTs that are the scale of board apes and punks and things like that, and you're falling for phishing scams, it just shows the lack of experience in the space. So I don't think OpenSea is in shit here. I mean, I would also sue <laughs> if I lost the 100 floor, 100 ETH floor uh, F, but, I don't think they're going to get much away with it. It's it's another harsh but fair take from from Q, I must say. <laughs> Luca, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it fits nicely into the the broader kind of issue of user friendliness. I mean, across Web three more broadly, right? I mean, you you've got this issue everywhere, not just OpenSea. Uh, you, you're taking risks every time you interact with contracts. I mean, one of the bigger things circulating on Twitter these past couple of weeks has kind of been how intransparent 
basically uh, contracts often are when you interact with them with wallets, right? I mean, I've signed, signed countless transactions where if I'm very honest with myself, uh, I, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really know what I was signing. You know, you're kind of using a, a decentralized application. You've got to click your way through uh, and, you, and you kind of just confirm these transactions. You, you go off the back of maybe a CoinGecko page where you've gotten the official link or a Twitter, uh, right? But you, you really are just vulnerable. And I think just to support Quinetia, you know, if you are gallivanting about the Wild West, you know, the, the, the frontier of finance, then uh, you, you are going to get burned invariably. And really, if you've got an NFT worth, you know, upwards of $100,000, um, it, it probably pays to be cautious. You two sound a lot more like pirates, I think, uh, maybe giving an indication <laughs> of what we should rebrand to. Um, right, moving on to the next, on to the next one. Um, Dow Treasuries have tumbled. This is breaking, breaking news, this statistic from um, – uh, basically, a Dow Analytics platform reported that Dow Treasuries have tumbled $3.1 billion over the past month. And I, I think this is, this is fascinating, obviously moving, you know, in, in the, with the market obviously coming, coming down. These Dows are obviously, you know, not immune to, to what's happening in the market. And it's quite, quite fascinating, actually, when you, you know, when, when obviously the way I see it, and I want you to guys, want to get your guys' thoughts on this, when everyone talks about DAOs and what they're going to bring to the future, you know, in the future to you know, completely flipping the concept of a company on its head, you know, even Jekyll from All In, we all love him, but he and he's like highly bullish on DAOs, whereas the other three aren't aren't so much at the moment. It's interesting to see to think of the fact that. If these are going to be the new form of a company, how are we going to have companies that oscillate within month to month, you know, $3 billion worth or, you know, a couple of billion dollars worth with the crypto market that's very volatile? It's it's quite interesting. And I wonder what your guys' perspective on this is, any takes on it. But, um, but Luca, I mean, what a, what is a DAO, right? Like, I mean, most people think almost equated to an organization, but I think if you're not careful, <laughs> DAO is just a multi-sig <laughs> or a wallet address with a website. Like, uh, or know, a faulty smart this, contract. Yeah, or a exactly. There's, there's this smokescreen of um, legitimacy that these DAOs have attracted because they kind of fit under this whole uh, liberal thing of, you know, democratization, you know, your, your voice counts and everything. But at the end of the day, just like with most decentralized finance applications, the security risks are immense. And like we saw with Wonderland, uh, Wonderland Fire and the kind of collapse of these, um, these back tokens, uh, DeFi is a lot less robust uh, than, than it seems. And uh, DAOs are kind of, <laughs> they're, they're not any different. Right, like you, you are placing your bet directly on the people behind the dial. To be, to be entirely honest, even if you know in their roadmap somewhere down the line they say you know we're going to move to a completely democratized system at the start, often the first couple of months, you're completely exposed to to the risk of just being rugged. Yeah, yeah, and there's just, also just, the, the, sorry, Q, go for it. Yeah, just just to build on that, I mean, it kind of goes into what we were speaking about last week when. It comes to boils down to the fact that 
you know, 90% of project founders are just inexperienced in the space. And now you're committing to a DAO treasury that, you know, could be in the hands of a very inexperienced team. And ultimately, you know, like, like Steiner said, you get rugged, they fall victim to security hacks. You know, there's so many things that can happen in crypto um, that, yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea and the narrative of a DAO is very, like, it's epic in a sense. You know, it's, it's got a lot of positive things about it. But, you know, the way we see crypto and Web3 technology today is vastly different to what we're going to see in five years. And I think, you know, DAOs are at the birth, almost like NFTs are at the birth of their, you know, sort of roadmap. So I think there's a long roadmap ahead for the development of the technology or the basis of how these things are going to be structured. But right now, you know, it's inherently shit, to be honest, um, because, yes, it's community governed, it's community this, but the community doesn't own the multisig. The community doesn't own anything. They just so-called have government's rights, apparently, to a protocol that's actually entirely owned by the team. Yeah, what was so, the joke, John T, with Wonderland 5, where they basically had a governance poll, but then Danny, the the kind of, uh, that, that very well-known Avalanche dev, was just like, <laughs> he, he basically lost the vote. And he was like, no, this thing we voted on wasn't really set up in the right way and just nullified the result. Oh, but so they had like, he had like veto right. He had veto rights, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sounds like, it sounds like the president of a uh, central. No, no, and then, and, and then Sifu, and then Luca, remember Sifu who rugged everyone in the end, who was the ex-convict or whatever, he voted to the thing. Like he put, yeah. he put like, you know, a huge sum of money to that vote. And people were looking at that and be like, what? How is this possible? You've got to differentiate between the idea and the current implementation. The current implementation is bad. The idea is great. I mean, that, yeah. that goes with everything. That goes with everything in crypto. Right now, the idea behind crypto is incredible. You know, the, what, like, the limited interaction that we have is relatively shit. I mean, I think the only <laughs> thing that's doing things really well... It's true. I mean, the only thing that I actually really enjoy using in crypto right now is very limited DeFi ecosystems. Like there's a handful of DeFi ecosystems where I actually enjoy interacting with yield farming protocols. But even at that point, you have to consider like two fucking pages of risk before you go into yeah. these things. And it just kind of shows how early we are in this whole development, this technological boom. And I mean, it kind of feels great interacting with these ridiculous platforms that are so unuser-friendly and that supposedly run on governance DAOs, but the community knows fuck all about the project. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I think that's just a made, long, just, long just, way to go. Yeah, uh, so does NFTs, so does everything else. Um, you know, just the basic user-friendliness friend, of this. And it just makes me think to round out the section, could we be going through the, the dot-com bubble collapse, in quotation marks, of crypto? essentially now, you know, that the internet went through in 99, 2000, as, as finding myself more and more fascinated by history, I think that's drawing that comparison is, is very fascinating to me. And it's going to be interesting to see where we are in one year, one year, two years, three years from here. Um, but yeah, this is meant to be the around a quick around the block. Some other notable mentions. Um, I just want to get a quick GM, uh, going to make it or not going to make it GMI, NGMI. Um, 
Russia's been testing their digital ruble, <laughs> and they basically the the central bank still wants to ban ban Bitcoin. Is our CBDCs? This is particularly for Luca because I know he has a bone to pick with with this. Uh, are CBDCs going to make it, or not going to make it? I mean, we know your answer. It's a rhetorical question, surely. Well, I think they're not they they're, they're not going to make it in the West. I think just the whole Canada thing basically sunk the CBD ship for good, I think, in the West, to be entirely honest. Um, yeah, I think on, on, on the other end, obviously, China's got their pilot up and running. I think the authoritarian regimes are probably going to be able to implement something. But uh, yeah, the idea is dead in the West, I think. There we go. And we'll, we'll, talk, we'll probably talk more about that authoritarian side of it uh, coming up now. Another note, a few other notable mentions Intel Intel unveils uh, a new Bitcoin mining chip that Jack Dorsey's block has actually already placed quite a sizable pre-order for. I have to mention the metaverse as well. They were just these these. <laughs> I'm not going to talk a lot about it because Luca will uh, will disown me as a friend. Um, but Snoop Dogg actually ten thousand avatars dropping in the sandbox called Doggies um, today. And Manchester City is creating the a football stadium in the metaverse with Sony. So that's rounding out around the block for, for today. Let's dive into the main topic. And I feel like if this is going to be a main topic, although it seems like I've split it in in the title, sort of talking about the true downside in crypto, rehashing a value proposition, the rotation from risk on to risk off in a sense where we're looking for value in crypto through Bitcoin and ETH, which uh, the wizards are going to touch on very shortly and Canada as well, just with everything. So I think it's going to be a mesh of everything. Boys, where do we want to start? Canada, maybe, or? I mean, I, I, I would suggest we start on the front of the state of the market. You know, what influences are currently saying to their communities, like the amount of irresponsible activity that's happening in the space. Well, then, Q, um, dive dive further into, like, you know, fear and greed, what's happening there, and then map that to crypto Twitter and what's happening. Because we were, we were sharing – we had some exchanges this weekend on our, on our WhatsApp group just sharing screenshots about different crypto influencers and how with every single one, I had this, like, red bar filling up inside of me that I was just, like, really, really annoyed about. So maybe just touch on that, Q. Give some context. Well, I think, I think the first – thing outright out the gate what everyone should realize is no one knows what they're fucking doing no matter how experienced they are no matter how good they are at what they do no matter how long they've been in the space no matter how rich they are no matter how poor they are no one actually knows what's going to happen everything is a game of probability and this is largely seen when you look at influencer content you know influencers are vital to the crypto space currently because they are what retail see they're the gateway, the gateway drug almost into crypto. You know, they talk about 100x gains turning $1,000 into a million dollars or, you know, all these ridiculous things that, you know, once upon a time were possible, but in current to market today is not possible. But this is what retail sees. And, you know, last week I briefly mentioned about deep diving into the whole side of FinTech, which is the so-called financial advisors not offering financial advice, but are offering financial advice on TikTok. And just listening to what these people are saying, it's actually scary how major influencers, 
people who should be responsible to a community are telling their community to buy ridiculous coins. And what I actually did is I took five influencers and I mapped out all the- But John's quickly, John's quickly, just to layer something on, on that, just for context to the audience, like FinTalk versus crypto Twitter, right? FinTalk is a bunch of people who are trying to blow up and are just saying BS and you know they're saying BS, right? Whereas crypto Twitter, you're talking about people who actually have north of 100,000 followers, people who actually have people who, you know, hold these people up as their go-to source of content and they follow their what they're doing. And, you know, they are like almost they've taken that step up as influencers, yeah. right? If you think of crypto banter, right? Like how big is that community? There's actual stakes there. I think like FinTalk is not the sa- on that same level, right? So just to layer well, that on as context yeah, um, just, for how serious it is, that, right? No, just to counter that point, Lucas, is FinTalk is actually becoming quite a large gateway for new retail into crypto. So what, what people are noticing is younger generations are more inclined to use TikTok over Twitter. So while Twitter is more the OG sort of group of crypto users, like the, the people that have been around for at least a year to two years, FinTalk or TikTok is becoming quite a platform, especially in the NFT space, that's becoming one of the leaders in onboarding users into crypto, um, which has been quite interesting to see. And, you know, basically what, what I was getting at is I took a bunch of guys looked at what their coins, what, rec- what coins they were recommending at the dates they recommended them. And I just checked what the price data was of those coins that they were recommending to their communities to buy, calling them 100x altcoins, buy these coins to make you a millionaire. On average, all these guys are down negative 60 to 90% on their portfolios right now. And this is the kind of stuff that these guys are recommending when they've got no idea about macro market structure and what's actually happening in the space. Then we shift over to TikTok. I mean, to, to Twitter and YouTube, where you have, like Luca, you just touched on now, you know, major influencers who have been around for years, you know, one day they're posting, we're in a bull market, the very next day they're posting, we're in a bear market. And actually the most relevant topic today, <laughs> just talking about crypto banter, love the guys there, they put out amazing content, so this is in no way throwing shade at crypto banter at all. But on the morning stream, Ran says, we're going to be bouncing soon. Like I'm starting to look to buy. I'm heavily allocated. But then on the afternoon stream, he says, I think it's time to capitulate. So within the space of like 12 hours, he's telling his community two separate things. And that sort of back and forth mentality is coming through with a lot of influences. Last week, all of them were saying, bottom is in, buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. And this week, everyone's saying, don't buy the dip, don't buy the dip, don't buy the dip to an extent. And guys, for example, like Benjamin Cohen is actually stepping in. It's quite a realistic outlook on what's happening in the market saying, guys, listen, there's no point in buying a dip if it keeps dipping. At what point do you run out of money to buy the dip? And then it dumps a further 70, 80%. So there's this level of irresponsibility that's happening on, you know, crypto Twitter, especially where users are, literally using their communities as exit liquidity for their bags so that they can get out because they didn't sell at the right time. And the, the fact of the matter is people are still coming to terms with the fact that we're in a bear market. And, you know, this happened the whole of 2018 when, you know, after the 2017 bull run, 
2018 began and there was just this brutal, brutal, brutal downtrend, closing multiple weekly candles below the, the bull market support resistance band before we had a massive black swan event in fall off. And that whole way down, influencers were saying, we're going back up, the bull market's not over, it's still happening, blah, 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 until we got that cascading liquidation event. And I think we are leading up to that point very soon, unless we get a reversal in macro political tensions. And the thing is, I don't think any influencers have knowledge on what's actually going on in the world. And, you know, they still say Cardano, the dollar is cheap, but we all know Cardano could retrace to 50 cents. I mean, I think it's already at 80 cents. You know, we've got guys saying buy Phantom at $2. Phantom's an incredible project, but there's literally no reason why it can't go back to 60 cents. So why would you just keep buying a dip when it keeps dipping? Maybe to Rather add on to that, John T, maybe to add on to that, I think it's probably a good time maybe to read two tweets. <laughs> show and tell. Your guy in Tradfire, show and tell. If you aren't taking a second mortgage on your home and buying Bitcoin right now, <laughs> HFSP, which stands for have fun staying poor, and I can't help you. I tried so hard. <laughs> Unreal. Here's, an, here's another one. If you own more land and property in the real world than you do in the metaverse, you're not paying attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you know, you know, you know what? Fair enough. Fair, can I actually just say an argument in favor of those tweets? If you're 20 years old, you're single, you don't have kids, you don't have a life to worry about, you can live in your parents' basement, you don't have a lot of obligation in life, there's no reason why you can't go all in. Because you know that mommy and daddy will pick up the check if you run out of money and you'll never end up on the street. So in that regard, by all means, ape. And if you think about what happened with Amazon, you know, from 1997 till today, if you invested $10,000 back in 1997 or whenever it was, today it'll be worth $21 million. But before that point, you had to go through 10, 85% dips in the stock price. So that's probably going to be the same thing here. You can buy Bitcoin today, sit on it for a bunch of years, come back, you know, take out a second mortgage on your home, whatever, come back in 10 years and probably be shit rich. But it's just, are you willing to yeah. sit through that? Exactly. And I think there's two ways people have generally lost money in crypto. The one is with altcoins. Um, oh, yeah. and, the, and the other is with not being able to hold long enough if you in the top projects, basically Bitcoin what? and ETH. Like you've got but sorry, there's also, there, there's another dynamic to this, guys, where like, you can't, you also can't be irresponsible, right? Like, yes, John, yes. you know, you can't, you can't, it's not practical for people to give them advice saying, take a second mortgage out on your home. And like, I know people, people can read through, like, like, it's, it's fairly obvious that he's over exaggerating to make a point, right? But it, where is the line between that? And just being straight out irresponsible for someone who might take it seriously and actually through emotion get coaxed into doing something that'll stretch themselves beyond their means and actually ruin themselves financially. You know, and then you have the those in those same influencers, Luca, who I know you're talking about, posting a screenshot of their Coinbase or Gemini transaction, you know, buying hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. And what do you think people, you know, less experienced more emotional look at that and think oh shit i'm not buying enough it, it like, takes the, it, it sends the wrong signals i agree 
and Luca, you touched on this. You, you, t- yeah. you, you touched on this thing about maybe you can dive deeper into your thought process, like about how absolutism within the sphere of influence is actually such yeah. a problem. Well, the, the, the background to that is in an up-only market, it was easy to speak in absolutes, basically, right? Like this thing is going to moon, this is going up, we're in a bull market, uh, nine times out of 10, you were right. Um, you know, we have, we have money printing seasons in crypto where everyone's a genius. Um, and, I, and I think that the whole kind of, it, it, it kind of is this hype cycle where prices are going up. These influences are adding fuel to the flame, right? And and you've kind of just got this this unfortunate negative feedback, well, positive feedback loop, basically. Um, and these guys end up being right for a very long time, right? And people see this, you know, and and then they get used to speaking in absolutes, basically in, in kind of bull market lingo. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's pretty delusional. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty delusional speaking in, in absolutes, um, generally, right? Like, why are we not holding these people accountable? Basically, if you look at charts, you know, um, where, you know, there've been a couple of people doing some investigative work in the crypto space where they basically map like, um, map like videos and and calls these influencers make they basically change their opinion every week right and and they are wrong you you can't stress it enough they are wrong all the time and they are always speaking in absolutes you know and then they maybe point out (laughs) you know they'll they'll kind of reframe things in an abstract way and it and it looks like you know they 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 were a genius or whatever you know they're successful they have a five hundred thousand twitter followers but it's for the wrong reasons. You know, it's, it's not for being, it's not for being a right. It's for adding fuel to the bull market flame. So, so I think we, we really need to wake up and, and hold these, hold these people accountable. Because like you say, Luca, you know, it's a fine line, right? Like, un- unfortunately, because things are so volatile and, and, you know, you, you get pulled in, right? And, you know, the, the, the moment you hit, you know, the buy or sell button, uh, there's no way of going back, unfortunately. And, and maybe with crypto assets, you know, you've, you've still got some chances. But now with, with the one tweet we were talking about, about how, you know, if you, if you own, you know, more land in real life than in the metaverse, you know, you're not paying attention. Well, <laughs> you know, we, we've seen people ruined in NFTs because when the liquidity goes, it goes. So, uh, you know, at one point, um, there, there will be a reckoning, right? And so, you know, we had the case with the guy who lost his board app suing um, Coinbase. OpenSea. I would, OpenSea, I would not be surprised to see some of these US-based influencers really feel the heat in uh, not too long, to be entirely. And hopefully some precedent be set. Um, I mean... Acting on emotion is is never good. I think we've all, at least I can speak for myself. You know, I've I've been there. It doesn't feel good. It, it feels worse afterwards when you realised you made a decision like buying or selling something based on emotion. And I think if there's, it just takes one person who doesn't have a long enough time horizon or did something beyond their means 
to be seriously financially ruined uh, or impaired. And I mean, to to then also talk about speaking of financially impaired, we also have, you know, and just to move the conversation along, we also have a scenario in in what seemed like a very democratic liberal country, uh, Canada, where you know people not out of their own decision making are financially impairing themselves, but the government is doing doing it. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have been seeing the headlines about uh, what's happened in Canada. I'm not gonna, we're not going to do a full breakdown. I think there's plenty of resources out there between the All In podcast, um, who has a great breakdown of it, lots more um, sort of breakdowns of what is actually going on there politically. But maybe we can tie a thread, boys, about like how, you know, given all those market dynamics that we've just talked about, what's going on in Canada with people literally being financially censored, their bank accounts are being frozen, you know, emergency powers are being invoked about, uh, uh, you know, in opposition to peaceful protests, people, people's livelihoods are literally being taken away from them and they cannot return from that. How does this all then add or, or like, you know, consummate into this uh, rotation back into Bitcoin and ETH in your guys' minds as a as the pure value play where most people should actually be spending their time now um, from a fundamental standpoint? Yeah, I've just got a, a few points on that. Um, firstly, I just want to make a point on laziness in the market. You know, influencers are going to take heat for a lot of these absolutes that they've been sharing when they don't actually have you know, there's, there's a very, very small group of influencers that actually have fundamental knowledge in the space, a handful of guys. You know, the rest talk in absolutes because everyone is a genius in a bull market, so they think they know everything. But it also boils down to the laziness of the follower, where they become so mindlessly reliant on a post from an influencer. And we've all been through it. You know, there was a stage where I wouldn't open a trade until this particular influencer told me to open a trade, you know. Um, we've all gone through that phase when we're early in the market. And it kind of just goes, boils down to people being too lazy to actually do the research on their own, figure out what's actually happening and invest with conviction. And, you know, the, the thing with crypto is everyone approaches it as a game. You know, they look at it as gambling, like only risk what you're willing to lose. You know, there's all these narratives of, crypto is super volatile, it's risky, you're going to lose all your money, you know, don't put in more than you need to live off. And, you know, there's all these things. And, you know, that's largely a narrative because people enter the space expecting to become millionaires overnight, looking at influencers to try find the next 100x gem and, you know, walk away a millionaire by Tuesday. And the problem is they don't know what they're actually doing. They know nothing about the space. They don't understand the technology. They don't know how it works. And they end up just falling for a rug pull you know, they see some influencers sell a board ape for 200 ETH. They go ape into the very next, you know, sub duck or, you know, baby goodles or whatever fucking energy calm, calm ape, calm ape. They or think apes ape. must be where the money's, money's at. It, exactly. Like, you know, there's, there's, the, there's just so, so much of this nonsense. And it all boils down to actually not understanding the space and tying this in with Canada. You know, there, there was a few emails sent <laughs> to, I'm not sure if you guys saw the screenshots that went. Oh my but God, I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought yeah, this up. To, to, to decentralized platforms saying, please freeze all Canadian accounts. 
<laughs> and basically the platform just replied being like, you know, we're, we're, we're a smart contract based entity. We don't store any personal information. We don't actually know who's who, like we don't know who's Canadian or not. So therefore we cannot freeze accounts. You know, there it just boils down to here's a government entity censoring a technology that they actually know fuck all about. And it, well, and that they physically can't censor. They physically can't censor it, like that email. It. And there you have the founders of Kraken making public posts saying, remove your funds off of our exchange into decentralized protocols, and you're safe. Crypto is so transferable. You can literally have money sitting attached to a private key that points to a point on the blockchain, remember the key off by heart, and have no trace that you own cryptocurrency besides your memory. To, to tie the thread, basically, like we're going through a really volatile time in crypto generally um, with with all these influences, projects on nuking, we're having rugs, but things like this, you know, Canada situation just underline the fundamental value of these technologies. It does. It highlights the importance and how critical, you know, having privacy in your financial system is. So, so it's hard to be in the market right now. You, there's so much negativity. And I mean, I've, <laughs> I don't want to know what it's going to be like in a month when we've gone down another 30%, right? I mean, at, at some point, you know, all the big accounts turn bearish and, and it's just a bear porn, basically. Um, but I think it's worth remembering things like this Canada situation because, you know, we really are at the frontier um, of money, of decentralized finance, and there, there really is huge upside to being in the space. You, what one, one just needs to watch out. <laughs> uh, don't, don't trust anyone that speaks in absolutes, basically. <laughs> exactly. it's, all, it's all probabilities. Yeah. And, and just, just to add to that, please, if an influencer says, you know, buy Solana at $80 because it's cheap, just remember guys bought it a year ago for 20 cents. Like if a guy's telling you to buy, you know, any altcoin now because it's cheap, just remember most are up hundred, two, three, four hundred X in the last twelve months. Yeah, it's worth zooming out, right, to the monthly chart before making exactly. any buy orders. Yeah, <laughs> yearly even. Have, yearly, yeah. Have have a macro perspective. I mean some yearly charts are one single green fucking candle. <laughs> it's like you know And John's that's what you're saying though, tying it through is you're saying, you know, do, take take what the influencer or your false prophet um as Take take what they say with a pinch of salt and look beyond it. Make make up a picture of your of of what's actually going on yourself, right? Instead of just listening to people, um, you know, maybe and going in point, blind essentially. Maybe at some exactly, point, like, we should release a list of of people we trust, good accounts. Yeah, I mean, but here's a question for you guys. I mean, if you walked out, let's say you live in an apartment building in the center of town. And you walked out into the street and some guy came up to you and said, put a thousand dollars here and it'll make you a million dollars overnight. Are you going to do it? You're probably going to say to this guy, who, who are you? <laughs> but meanwhile, you open up your laptop and you listen to someone on a screen, mostly who's pseudo anonymous, and you take what they say with absolute conviction. And you're like, I'm going to do this because he said I should. And it's kind of this mentality of, you know, you're trusting someone that has no obligation to have 
do anything positive towards you? Like, what is their motivation? If they're not liable. Exactly, they're not liable. But Um, remember, Johns, this has only arisen because of this fascinating place we we find ourselves in humanity where we place value on these online pointers or, you know, physical, um, sorry, digital social pointers, i.e. your follower count, a viral tweet, a YouTube video with 500,000 views. We draw a line from from 500,000 views goes to cool. What they say, what they are saying is true. We draw a line from basically social validation to truth. And I think that's fundamentally wrong. It's fundamentally yeah. wrong, right? And I think this is, the, this is the crux of this whole problem. Just because someone has a board ape on their profile picture and it's, it's got the hexagon shape, they're verified with Twitter blue and they've got uh, 500,000 followers, it does not mean that they are right. It doesn't mean that you should listen to them. Maybe one more, exactly. just the last point on this. I had a thought the other day looking at these hexagon things. Uh, you know, there's nothing stopping someone taking a screenshot, making an NFT out of it, and then displaying it on Twitter blue. Or is there? So I think Twitter is bringing in that functionality where you can't actually screenshot. But you can create no your own NFT of a board app and just adjust it. That's actually quite interesting. Something to look for, look in. If someone knows, yeah. please hit Let us, us up. Know. Let us know. DMs let us know. <laughs> let us know because that's what I'm going to do right after this call. If that's true, <laughs> to get uh, short circuit my way to a board app. Um, but yeah, I think up 100k, 100k project, 100k followers in a night. So just make sure you drop an NFT project and use all those guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every single no, no. influencer these days is dropping some form of project to exit liquidity on all their. A hundred percent, hundred percent, and with a with a game tra- with a game trailer as well. Be skeptical oh, of yeah. those. Um, metaverse, they're buying metaverse land. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, just to just to round out the episode, and I know obviously it isn't the episode title. You know, Bitcoin being the best bet currently. I think to round it out maybe just round it out with your thoughts about, you know, having the OG censorship resistant permissionless store of value being Bitcoin, something, uh, a technology that's proven itself that is censorship resistant, that, that can escape the clutches of government that is holding up actually at re- when you, when you take it, like we were talking about, you know, elongating your view of, of the price it's it's holding up at, a, at an extremely high price level that a few years ago no one would could have ever imagined, and I think to echo what Balaji says, you know, if someone were just to invest in Bitcoin and ETH over the next five years, um, five to ten years, you'll do extremely well. Maybe not a hundred x or you know two hundred x like investing in the next metaverse Cumcoin, but you'll do pretty well. Do you guys uh you know I, I know you guys sort of agree with that, with that, maybe touch on that just to round out the episode. Luca? Look, Canada validated everything Bitcoin bulls have been saying. It's, it's a real world case study in the value of permissionless networks. Um, I think it's, it's really the start of a new era. And maybe just to, to make it more explicit, um, I, I think at, at this point, you know, risk reward, I'm skewed heavily towards Bitcoin in terms of 
kind of probable outcomes being to the upside. John's agree, disagree? Yeah, Neutral? I mean, the, the, the baseline here is if you are buying any altcoins now, be prepared to sit through an 80% volatility swing, you know, because if we do go into prolonged bear market, that's what they'll probably do. Um, and many will go to zero. Right. Many will go to zero. Ninety percent of altcoins will go to zero easily. Um, so, so the, the the safe assets to be in now, Bitcoin and Ethereum, always. I think Ethereum will largely uncorrelate from Bitcoin, um, as it's the you know the programmable future. But Bitcoin remains to be the risk adverse safe haven asset that yes will have volatility swings as well, but due to its fixed supply nature you know, what it's offering to the space and the narrative that it brings, it's always going to appreciate in value over the long term. So your five-year, 10-year, 20-year ROI on Bitcoin will be far greater than just holding on to some random altcoin and holding on to the risk of that altcoin going to zero. You know, I think my, that... my, yeah. my, basically, I think that right now, the only three things you should be in is Bitcoin, Ethereum, and stablecoin. Wait for a market correction to end. Wait for the trend reversal to be confirmed. If you miss the first few thousand dollar pump, it doesn't matter. You know, if we are going to go into another leg of the bull run, say, if we play out the Dow Jones fractal and, you know, we put in the double, we put in the, the massive double top, we go down, we whip to 28K and we actually have a massive trend reversal and push to 200K Bitcoin by the end of the year, you're still going to make gains. So it comes to a factor of managing your greed managing your outlook and your time frame in the space. And I think just protect yourself. And the only way to do that is holding Bitcoin, holding Ethereum and having stable coins yield farming for you and DCA with that yield farming profit. And John's everyone knows that they're going to hear about that trend reversal from you first on the web three show. So tune in for us every <laughs> single week to get the market update. Uh, but yeah, I mean, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I just think that the last, thing on top of everything that you just said is that a government can't cut off your supply to bit, to the Bitcoin that you own with your private keys, as that's been proved in Canada over the past few days. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another great episode of the Web3 show. 53 minutes literally flew by like it, like it was nothing. Um, for all those who joined us in the live room in Colin, we really appreciate you being with us every week, and we will see you for episode 16 next week from the wannabe wizards slash maybe DeFi pirates in the future. It's been another great episode. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you next week.